Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in, hit WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com. We're glad that you all could join us today. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could be with us as well. Excited to welcome back my friend, award-winning author Robert Blake Whitehill, to Conversations Live. He's had quite the year that is ending with the release of his new book, Book 6, in his Ben Blackshaw series. It's called Blast. We're going to talk to to Robert, not only about the creation of Ben Blackshaw, but also what it's been like for him to see the way that readers are responding to him, what you can expect in the new book, and of course we let you guys know how to stay connected with Robert as well. Robert, my friend, thank you so much again for the time. Really appreciate it. It is a pleasure to chat with you, as always, Cyrus. It's just terrific. Great to talk to you again. Oh, the pleasure of selfie all mine. Well, I'm glad that you have a new book for us to be able to talk about as well, even though I love talking with you anytime, Robert. But, uh, you know, you throw a new book in the mix, that definitely makes things a lot interesting. We're going to get into the action that kind of takes place in Blast here in a moment. But you are celebrating a big milestone uh, right now, Robert, when it comes to Ben Blackshaw in this series, 10 years. What has this experience been like for you to kind of reflect on the decade of when you first introduced Ben Blackshaw to the world? It has been a marvelous uh, 10 years, and I'll, I'll say to you that it was a number of years working in solitude before uh, the first book, Dead Rise, even came out in 2012. So when that book came out and I had a chance to meet my audience for the first time, all the other books I realized, wow, there's an audience out there. I'm not toiling alone in solitude for an unknown sort of reward. There are people out there who are now expecting the next book, who want the next book, who are excited by the next book, and uh, you're a huge part of bringing in the Blackshaw audience to, to this series. I'm very grateful to you, Cyrus. Well, look, I, I appreciate that, uh, Robert, but you and I were just talking before we went on here, and I mean, you, I mean, I knew when I was introduced to the book, I knew it was something special. It's been great, though, to see how other people, you know, have responded to it as well. At the time we're having this conversation, um, over 100 reviews already for Dead Rise, the very first book, are on Amazon right now. Uh, I mean, have an incredible rating, even on Goodreads as well. So I want to talk about something you just mentioned, because as you said, I mean, and I hear this from storytellers all the time, Robert, the solitude that can be there, right, when you're kind of toiling away on a book. I mean, if you, were, if you had to picture the audience for this book, what did you picture the audience for Ben Blackshaw and Dead Rise was? Well, originally it was folks who might know the Chesapeake Bay area and love sailing there or boating there. People who love Smith Island, where the stories are set, which is the only inland inhabited islands in the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. And um, also, I, I happen to know statistically that women are very avid readers of all kinds of fiction, whether it's literary fiction or popular fiction like I write. Um, and so I imagine that they were out there, but the privilege of meeting them after that first book came out, that was very special to me. And um, some, some of them have become so uh, dedicated in their reading that I, I, I sort of float ideas out to them just to see what the response would be. And uh, they have certainly guided my hand. I don't crowdsource 
everything. But there was a very big change uh, that I instituted in one book that came that really kind of came back at me. <laughs> I got a little blowback on that one, and they said you've got to do something about that. So a character that I had um, sort of done away with was resurrected in a way um, in a in a later book, and it was um, and I, I was, that was a very funny experience to to not only know that they're out there reading, but they really care and they've got some strong opinions. Uh, to watch the, the readership grow has just been an absolute privilege for me, though. Just wonderful. Yeah. There, there is an interesting thing that I've seen with, and you and I, this is our first time talking about this, actually, Robert, that I saw in Blast that I think became apparent to the people in Ben Blackshaw's world, but I think that we already saw as readers of the series, and I'll tell you what I mean. You know a lot of times how people can can see things about us that maybe we don't see about ourselves. In Blast, there's that one scene that you write about in the book where, I mean, it, it's very obvious that um, the character Ellis is talking to Ben and basically saying, you know, that what you're planning on doing, okay, this this is this sounds I see the point, but this is not something that's survivable. <laughs> you know yeah. you know. And right. and you know and and so but Ben wanted to brush that off. Now we as readers have seen men do a lot of things that we think, okay, this does not seem survivable. So what has it been like for you to kind of play with the idea of Ben's ability and want to do right, Robert, but also knowing that that can come with a cost? There's an expression in the military, and it's a soldier who is a NAFOD, N-A-F-O-D. NAFOD means no actual fear of death. And that's a soldier that is so fearless that the soldier might go into danger and is willing to not come out. And that is kind of how we meet Blackshaw in the first book 10 years ago. But what Ellis is kindly and, and pointedly suggesting is, that that quality has a real cost these days that you've alluded to, and that is the fact that Ben isn't this lone wolf anymore. He mm-hmm. went from being having Luana as his girlfriend to earning his the right to be her fiance in, in very important ways about communication with her. And then he's married to her, and now as the story and the arc evolves, he's a dad. They have a child. They have a son together, and it's super important that he really put in the in the scales how what he's trying to do is going to affect not just his own life, whether he's hurt or maimed or loses his life. How is any of that going to affect his wife and his son, his family, and a growing circle of friends and, as he takes on more leadership on Smith Island? So he doesn't have this, like, life he can just toss away without consequences anymore. And I identify with that change myself, I have to admit to you. Yeah. It, you mentioned, and you and I have not talked about this as well, which is why I love about having these different conversations, uh, Robert, because we're able to talk about different things, so every conversation is not the same. But you mentioned Luana, and, and let me just say this. She surprised me in Blast. Um, because ah. having seen what what Ben Blackshaw has done and become, she's not she's not afraid to go there herself, right? I mean, you know, and you know, we see her do some things that make made me go, wow, I wasn't expecting that, 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm thinking about the the one incident, uh, and you'll know without me talking about it, when uh, she is with Sonny, right? And she mm-hmm. literally takes matters into her, her, own, her own hands, right? Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I think there is some interesting – so what has that been like for you to see her – her evolution in the time we've got to meet her. I think just looking out into the world and learning more, and because of my upbringing as a Quaker, which is a kind of an egalitarian, everybody's equal sort of uh, thing, I wrote the the stories primarily about Ben Blackshaw at first because I I knew him better. I just felt like I knew him better, both in terms of gender, in terms of his concerns, and and hopes and his fears and and it's the kind of adventure that I was more exposed to as a kid but as the series has moved forward I am absolutely confident and happy to watch Luana step into the sense of adventure in her own right she's no longer uh like the there's a phrase that writers use when a, a female character uh gets in a jam and has to be rescued she is not a femme jep character she is a real live adventurer in her own right remember we met her when she was uh, part of the natural resources police so she's already had that quality of bravery and a commitment to environment and so she was a very solid and three-dimensional person when we first met her but now she's observed Ben going out on missions and coming back from missions and she's no longer willing to just sit home. She doesn't know how to knit or crochet or do anything like that. She, she wants to get out on these adventures as well. We saw that in the last book, but in this book, as you've alluded to here, uh, she goes out uh, and self-deploys in the same manner that Ben does, but she's not with Ben. She's leading a coterie, of, a little cadre of Smith Islanders all on her own, they look to her as a leader, and it's a transition that Ben had to go through in the very first book where he was a, an outsider among outsiders. Smith Islanders are unique people. There's a cussedness about them. There's a devoutness about them. There's a strength and fearlessness uh, and, and strong individual streak about them. And Ben moved from being an outsider in that community into a, a, a feeling, a position of leadership in the whole community. And now we see that Luana is doing the same thing. She, there's, she has no fear about stepping forward into the face of danger to defend the home when, um, when Ben's off doing his own thing or, or prosecuting another part of the same story. Yeah. Such a great point. In fact, even uh, coming to the rescue of Blackshaw and Ellis later on in the book, we're able to see as well, again, really showing that, that, that growth. So let's talk about Robert Blake Whitehill and his growth, because I'm curious, <laughs> Robert, how have you grown as a storyteller since you first created Ben Blackshaw? Well, I, I've, I've wanted to be much more inclusive in terms of the sorts of characters that are involved. Um, uh, early on uh, in the second book, there's an LGBTQ character who happens to be uh, a Blackshaw's half-sister. Um, I wanted to strengthen all the female characters to make sure that they're present and accounted for and three-dimensional, not two-dimensional. Um, so that's me growing kind of as a, as a writer in terms of what I put into the book. Me personally, 
I've, I've gone through that same calculus that Ben has gone through. Ben goes through the calculus of what if I'm hurt or die and, and what happens to my family, and he still self-deploys, whereas I'm a little bit more conservative than I used to. Um, I have a pilot's license. I haven't flown in a little while because I, you know, I'm very concerned if there were, were some mishap, what would happen to um, my young family. And, you know, you can carry all the insurance in the world, but it's not going to take the place of an actual living, breathing father and two parents and all like that. Um, right. Same with, um, let's say, skydiving. I, I used to do that, um, you know, not avidly like some people, um, but, uh, you know, a couple jumps here and there and now and then. It was certainly on the menu if I was out at our family's uh, drop zone out in um, near Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so I could just go out there, and part of a visit was making a jump whenever I was visiting my cousin and my aunts and uncles and all like that. So I don't do that so much now. And it's because, and I'm not valuing myself egotistically and saying that I'm, I'm the only person that could be the male figure in my family's life, but I am saying, you know, they chose me, I chose them, it's up to me to not be uh, a naphod uh, with no actual fear of death. I have to respect the risks that might come. So Ben and I diverge at that place. He goes on the missions, and I stay home and write about them. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I want to pick back up on that. I want to say for those who are just tuning in is on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. Excited to welcome back my friend and award-winning author, Robert Blake Whitehill, to Conversations Live. We're talking about his newest book, Blast. It's available now through our friends at Amazon.com. It's book six in the Ben Blackshaw series, but also about this journey for him. You just said something really interesting, Robert, and I, and I was listening to you as you were talking, and that is, so in a previous conversation, we were talking about Ben being aspirational. So is that the great thing about having a character like Ben and even Luana even, that you can put them in situations that you yourself have chosen not to right now put yourself in? I think that is the gift that every writer gives to him or herself is the, the fact that we can take what we know about ourselves and what we know about the world and we can help grow a character with those things but then we can push them a little bit farther out into the land of adventure. And, I, you know, I've had some, some travel and some adventures on that way, but to let loose and, and just sort of let that character run free and run wild and be different and um, perhaps be a little cynical, a little dark, a little violent, there is that dark side in Ben Blackshaw that – is a side of myself, obviously I wrote him, a side of myself that just doesn't come out anywhere else. And yeah. uh, Ellis as well, and likewise Luana and Sonny. These are all people that are genuinely good-hearted people, but if somebody messes with their family, if somebody messes with their, their, their home or, or their friends, they will, they will respond in a way that is... Uh, could be considered violent. Some might attach a psychological diagnosis to it. I wouldn't do that. To me, they're people who are normal people reacting in extreme circumstances. Now, I'm not extreme. I have been in extreme circumstances. I worked on the uh, ambulance uh, in our town, and I saw some hellacious things uh, in that work. Um, But they are the ones that are going forth and really exploring the far reaches 
of human experience in a way that I certainly will not. <laughs> right, right. And, and I think I, I would go, and you can correct me on this, Robert, go a step further in that you, you mentioned the the situation, what they would do for their family. But Ben Blackshaw, the other thing we know about him is he he is really a person of, of humanity. You know, even if it does not involve him personally, he feels that personal connection because of humankind. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that on so many uh, ways. He is empathetic with uh, the downtrodden and the voiceless. Uh, he will take up arms to defend not only his neighbors but strangers. He is, um, I think, psychologically, some might call him uh, the diagnosis or, or profile he fits is that he's a moral enforcer, a moral enforcer who um, wants to set things right in the world when he sees them askew or unjust or unfair. And he is going to go forth and, and, and make things square for people. Um, so I would absolutely have to agree with that on many, many levels. He's a good hearted person, but man, if, if somebody shows up who is, being troublesome, and it may be a relation, like you're pointing out, or it may not be a relative. He is yeah. going to act, and he is going to go forth, and he is going to set things straight, and, and with extreme prejudice, I guess the phrase would be. I've mentioned a few times here, Robert, that this is book six of the Ben Blackshaw series, but thanks to your work with others, you've created other things for his universe. Talk to us about that. I found that fascinating in a previous conversation we were having about how you've been able to expand Ben Blackshaw's world through the short fiction with some help. Well, early on, thank you for asking about this. It's very important. Early on, I had to, um, in order to be able to concentrate on the writing part, I sought interns to help me out at, from the local colleges like um, Montclair State University, um, the new school in New York City. Um, and in, so that the interns would come and they would work with me on social media. They would help me with uh, tweets that would market the, um, the books, the series, let folks know. I also had some people who were not necessarily business majors looking to um, you know, market uh, and expand their marketing resumes. I had actual artists that applied, and that was a very interesting thing. I would um, ask them to read either the books or my screenplay adaptation of the books, which might be a little shorter, a little quicker, and more visually stimulating to them. And I would ask them to pick key emotional moments and illustrate them so that, you know, I have had numerous artists attack the books and pull out those emotional turning points <clears throat> the dramatic action points and illustrate those in a way that, of course, I didn't prescribe. I simply said, find what moves you emotionally and draw that, illustrate that, and it has turned out to be a really wonderful experience. Now, what do they get for that opportunity? Certainly they get something that can pad their resume. They can uh, point to social media posts that um, contain their artwork, that contain uh, their marketing ideas and uh, their abilities there. But the one thing that I always offer every intern is the offer of collaborating with me on a short story dealing with the Blackshaw world. And, you know, I've had a number of uh, interns take advantage of that. But with Blast, I had an unprecedented three interns want to write a short story. And that means that I cover the cost of publication, of course, and they can now say that they have been print, in print 
published in fiction. And there are three terrific stories that are appended to the end of Blast. So you can read Blast and it's good and all. And then you've got these stories that build out on certain characters that we get an origin story for or characters that might be related to uh, the world in a previous book. Um, and one of my interns, it was her second, she's a long intern of long standing, now gone on to a terrific career, um, but she has had her second short story published. So the offer of, uh, uh, to be an intern is to have an offer of publication, and I get to collaborate with some amazing young writers and watch them grow and be published early on in their careers. It's just a real privilege to see how they build, are inspired to build on the Blackshaw world. It's just so cool. Yeah, and also having their photos on the back with with you. I mean that. I mean that in itself is a big honor as well uh, to be able to have their work recognized that way. I have to ask you this question, uh, Robert, as we wrap up here, and it may be a tough one, uh, but I'm sure it's one that you've thought of. Um, have you given consideration to if and when you want to say goodbye to Ben? Oh my gosh, that is a heartbreaking question, and. Oh, you know, Cyrus, you can tell by my consternation that that question does exist in my mind. And it might turn into, like, let me write a book about something completely different and return to mm. Ben. Let me okay. sit right down and start the next Blackshaw adventure and build out that world. So I don't have a good answer, but you can tell how by how messed up I am considering the question <laughs> that it is on my mind because – you know, we have Ben, he's, you know, gone from being a lone wolf to a family guy, and uh, his wife has grown, and you could say, wow, book six would be a good sort of place to either stop, which breaks my heart to consider, or to simply pause and do something else. This book, in fact, was delayed because I was working on screenplays uh, that are in development, and that took time away from creating the next Blackshaw book. So, Blast is a couple years late, and I'm very grateful to readers who are still interested. Um, but that question is on my mind, and it may be – book six might be the pause. It might be the stopping place, or it might simply be, you know, I'm on to book seven. So I'm considering it, but those are the three possibilities that have cropped up that I can live with for the next month or two before I decide what I'm going to write next. Great question. <laughs> gotcha. Well, look, I had to Painful ask because, well, well, let me tell you what made me ask. Let me tell you, I will tell you yeah. what made me ask. Because oh. we see, we're able to see, I believe, such an evolution of Luana, mm -hmm. I'm curious as to what she would be like as a lead. Even if she oh. went off on her own mission or, you know, and, and Ben then became the one at home. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, I, I, that, that's what I'm, I'm now more – after Blast, I'm definitely – even though I've enjoyed watching the evolution of Ben, I'm definitely interested, and I think readers would be, especially your female audience demographic, of, of how Luana continues to be able to grow and evolve into her own. Um, so that, well, that's what really – You're talking about something, and I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking about it. And that is a very positive response to me, to have that visceral response, because I think that she is a great character. My concern in writing a book that focused solely or primarily on Luana, where she's kind of equal on stage now in Blast, 
My concern about a predominantly uh, Luana story is, will folks come to me and say, you're a man, how dare you try to write this woman? But, you know, she is kind of my creation uh, in that respect. So I would try to deal as faithfully with her in a future story that focused on her as I've tried to deal with her and all the female characters. There's no shrinking violets in the Blackshaw, female shrinking violets in the Blackshaw world in the series so far. But what a great question, and I have to agree. And you've really got my brain buzzing right now. Got to tell you. <laughs> well, I tell you, for our audience that has not, have not picked up Blast yet, now is your opportunity. Make sure you guys get it, of course. Uh, it is, again, book six. Uh, but as Robert and I talked about in the previous conversation, I mean, anywhere you come into the Ben Blockshaw world, you can't go wrong. Dead Rise is the first book officially of the series, our introduction to Ben, so definitely you want to take a look at that. But all of them are available through Amazon.com. Robert, once again, a great chat with you. How can our audience stay connected with you? Well, um, on Twitter, there's um, at R-B as in Bravo, at R-B Whitehill. And then, of course, on Facebook, it's Robert Blake Whitehill. That's the author page, Robert Blake Whitehill. And if you want to learn a little bit more, go into a little more depth, you're welcome to go to my website, which is robertblakewhitehill.com. Try to keep it as simple as possible, robertblakewhitehill.com. Of course, uh, there's author, author pages on Amazon. There are author pages on Barnes & Noble and at Goodreads. So I'm, I'm, I'm out there. I can be found. Uh, and I, I welcome uh, all feedback, whether it's a review. There's an email address posted on the website so folks can get in touch. And uh, I really value my audience, and I love being in contact and hearing from them. I know they appreciate that as well. Robert, again, congratulations to you. Glad to have a chance to catch back up and looking forward to our next chat together. It's been an honor, Cyrus. Thank you so much. More than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.